you're entering the wind tunnel. I'm Lenny Patiki. This week on Wind Tunnel. And the fight right at the line. The one of Chastain past Hamlin. Uh, Ross Chastain has the whole, the whole point of public opinion on his side for what he's done. And, and he's already won in my book. Man, I don't know. I, I didn't expect to get wrecked into one. That's, that's for sure. You know, so um, uh, me and Ty have always been kind of friends, but lost, lost all respect today. Well, I think I'll take it a step further, more than just NASCAR. Um, I think the entire industry was changed by streaming becoming a lot more prevalent. I mean, it's been around for six or seven years, but I think the technology kind of caught up to the vision. Like Majeski has the hot hand right now. Uh, coming off that big one, Homestead, one obviously Bristol to, to transfer into the Final Four. So he has the hot hand, but... Wind Tunnel is brought to you by Advanced Auto Parts, the official auto parts retailer of NASCAR. Here's your Wind Tunnel host, Jack Aroop. It has come down to a final weekend in the desert. It is championship weekend for NASCAR's premier divisions, trucks, Xfinity, and Cup at the Phoenix Raceway. Hi there, Jack Arood. Thanks so much for joining me this week inside the wind tunnel. It's been a long and winding journey to a title, and four drivers from each series now get to race head-to-head. The Championship Four in the Truck Series have been prepping for a couple of weeks and kick off the weekend's action. NASCAR on Fox's Phil Parsons drops by, and he'll set up that championship. Mike Joy, unquestionably, is the undisputed voice of NASCAR. I check in with Mike, and we unpack the championships in Xfinity and in Cup. And, of course, we'll also weigh in on some of the things we all saw at Martinsville. It certainly was a wild and wacky path to Phoenix in both the Cup and Xfinity divisions. Let's start with the 250-lapper Saturday that saw one Xfinity teammate park the other. Getting ready for the start of this 250 laps from Martinsville to determine the championship four. Early in these runs, these guys on the outside, they know that's going to be a disadvantage on a long run, but on a short run, if there's a hole to get into, you can make it work. Watch Ty Gibbs right here. He's going to get a little run Oh Noah, but there's nowhere for him to go. Hill up the racetrack, contact made. Ty Gibbs wins the stage, and a drag race all the way to the line. He got to the back bumper, up the racetrack, the seven goes. This is where the seven has been so strong, though, on the outside on exit speed. More contact, they're sideways. AJ's got an issue, left for tire. Tire is flat. The bumper already put to the 54. The 19 on the inside. He's there. The 9 almost spinning. He's able to keep it straight. Brandon Jones off the of turn four, side by side. Driving in a corner deep. Take that spot. Spin and turns one and two. The caution comes out. The 19 was in front. Three wide. The gives boys. They're sliding. Sammy Smith slides out of the way. Here comes the 9 of Noah Gregson. The caution comes out before they get to the line. Now. Three wide isn't going to work through three and four. Sheldon Creed shoving the 19. 
He's sideways, but he lurches out front. The white flag one more time around. Ty Gibbs sees the checkered yellow flags. And Ty Gibbs put the bumper to the back of the 19, and that's the damage that happened after. Yeah, Ty Gibbs punted the 19 of Brandon Jones. And now he's going to celebrate in front of the crowd here. It's one thing to get moved out of your way by a teammate. It's a whole other thing to get wrecked by him. I was thinking the same thing. And I Championship four. Allgaier gets in on points. You hear a little bit of applause for the 54 of Ty Gibbs. But it's Allgaier, Josh Berry, Noah Gregson, and Ty Gibbs. Those are the championship four that will fight next week for the title in the Xfinity Series. And now you hear the crowd responding. Party. The boos raining down from the fans at Martinsville. Ty Gibbs with a win, but a very controversial way to go about it. He actually waves on the boos to the fans here. You can hear the reaction. So contact with the 19 looks very intentional. Was it a fair move by your assessment? I definitely didn't want to wreck him, but I wanted to get him out of the groove. I felt like we lost earlier at the spring race just in the same way, but I'm just pumped to get this win, and it's so awesome, especially a track I feel like I've been coming to forever. I ran late models here, and, and it's just been it's, it's super cool to win here. Here's Brandon Jones's take on the incident. Actually, I was happy that he got in front of me because I knew I'm like this. The only way you're going to win this race is someone's going to you know move somebody to to win. And um, I, man, I don't know. I, I didn't expect to get wrecked into one. That's for, that's for sure. You know. So um, I, me and Ty have always been kind of friends, but lost lost all respect today. I know a lot of guys on pit road have for, for him. That last lap move by Ty Gibbs turned out to be nothing when compared to the last lap the very next day in the Cup Series running of the Xfinity 500. 500 laps at Martinsville to determine the championship four. Green flag is in the air. For three and four for the final time. And Denny Hamlin is going to win stage one. Denny Hamlin, he will sweep the first and second stage from Martin's three and four. The three car hard into the wall in turn three and four. Cancel hard into the wall, turn three and four. Caution comes out. We'll have another restart. Man, this changes everything, guys. Oh, and more contact behind him. The six gets shoved up the racetrack by Larson. And Bell is in front. Ross Chastain trying to get by the nine. Again, that points battle to determine who is the final championship four driver now bell pulling away with those fresher tires they're tied again the tiebreaker goes to chastain coming up on two to go Dean knocks the 24 up the racetrack chastain doesn't have anybody in front of him to go past he's too far away from everybody if he wins the one and the 11 fighting for every point right now denny hamlin two-point favorite to get in as the championship four Bell out of turn four. He's going to do it. He's won his way into the championship. And the fight for the point right at the line. The one of Chastain past Hamlin. Chastain, Elliott, Bell, and Logano are going to fight for a championship in Phoenix. Take a look at what he did. I have never seen anything like that before in my life. Wide open. 
around the wall in three and four at Martinsville. Unbelievable. Oh my goodness. I have never. And look at the right side of the car. It's destroyed. But he just did it. Ross Chastain, a seventh generation watermelon farmer, was supposed to be yeah. racing in the Xfinity Series a couple years ago. That ride got pulled away from him. It looked as though his career in NASCAR was done. Ross Chastain used the wall all the way around this racetrack to race his way into the championship four. He went from 10th to 5th place. Ross Chastain, oh my word. Ty Norris just leaned in here and asked you when you thought of that move. You said you thought about it before today. How did you ever dream up a scenario where something like that would be what you needed to do and that it would work? Oh, played a lot of NASCAR 2005 on the GameCube with Chad growing up, and uh, you could get away with it. And I never knew if it would actually work. And I've, I mean, I've done, <laughs> I did that when I was eight years old. And um, I grabbed fifth gear. I asked off a two um, on the last lap if we needed it, and we did. I couldn't tell who was leading, and uh, I just made the choice. I grabbed fifth gear down the back and full committed. Um, once I got against the wall, I basically let go of the wheel. Just hope I didn't catch the, the turn four access gate or something crazy, but I was willing to do it. And um, yeah, I've, known, I've thought about that for a long time. That last lap drama by Ross Chastain, well, there's no question. It overshadowed the amazing walk-off win, his second in the playoffs by Christopher Bell. What a way for Joe Gibbs Racing to get their 200th win. Christopher Bell, back-to-back -back rounds, delivers in a must-win scenario. What were you thinking on that final restart, Christopher, trying to catch your good friend Chase Briscoe? I see the, the emotion in your eyes. Mom and Dad, we did it! Woo! I just, I, I can't believe it, man. To come here to Martinsville, this place has always been so tough on me. And, you know, I just, pre-race, I was looking up and seeing all the fans, and this place is packed, and I don't even know what to say. So, now it's down to the final race for all three of NASCAR's top series. My guests and I will unpack each, starting with the Camping World Truck Series finale. Stay right where you are, because Phil Parsons swings by and gets us ready for the weekend right after this timeout. Hey, car lovers. At Advanced Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. Welcome back to your podcast home for motorsports conversation. Jackaroots Wind Tunnel. By the time I get to Phoenix, 
Mrs. Majeski led a lap at least in every single one of them. The only driver to do it. He won two of the six playoff races. Uh, you have to make him the favorite, well, don't you? Yeah, I think so. But he, but but Zane's finished second the last two years, as he talked about. Chandler Smith won the race last year in Phoenix. <laughs> ben Ritter won the championship. So Ben, go ahead. Try yeah, yeah, to convince yeah, me differently. Yeah, uh, that's I think that's the great thing about it. You can argue any of those totally, four totally. as uh, as a favorite and a potential champion. They'll race for that trophy in Phoenix, November 4th. Well, joining us now is a guy that has covered the Camping World Truck Series, soon to be rebranded the Craftsman Truck Series. Oh, for so many years, along with Vince Welch and Michael Walter, we're talking about Phil Parsons. All right, Parsons, Majeski, Zane Smith, Chandler Smith, and Ben Rhodes, all headed to Phoenix, gunning for the title that Ben Rhodes won one year ago is there someone that has a decided advantage well certainly majeski has the hot hand right now uh coming off that big win homestead he won obviously bristol to to transfer into the final four so he has the hot hand but gosh it's so close to call uh you know we kind of had written ben rhodes off and then he comes and has a great run at homestead gets 16 stage points and finishes six to point his way in by a couple points over Stuart Friesen. So, and, and he won the championship there last year. So uh, I, I think it's really hard to call. Zane Smith has really been probably the dominant truck uh, all year. Chandler Smith has come out here strong. Uh, he's been strong all year too, but he's been really fast lately. Uh, the, the telling statistic we have is um, in the, in the 22 races that we've had so far this year, Nine times Zane Smith has been the top finisher out of those four championship four. And the clo next closest to him is like four or five. So if that has any, if the numbers have anything to do with it, then, then we've got to think about Zane Smith. But again, Majeski has a hot hand right now. Well, Phil, let's, let, let's employ what uh, a lot of the talking heads like you and me always go to, and that's the stats. So based upon 2022 and the entire campaign, uh, which of those four do you think has at least performed better on tracks similar to Phoenix? Again, Majeski, he has a great short track program. Yeah, and and Joe Shear certainly, uh, his crew chief has, has been there before. Ironically, three of the four championship four drivers have crew chiefs that have won championships. The only one that doesn't have a championship crew chief is Zane Smith with uh, – with Chris Lawson. But anyway, uh, Majeski was really good at Gateway. The short track program's been great. Phoenix, even though it's a mile and they consider it a speedway, it, run, it races like a short track. So, uh, and, and, but, but you, can, you can make another case for Chandler Smith as well, that how good he has been on, uh, on those kind of racetracks too. And, and, and Zane has been good on all the racetracks this year. So, I, I, it's 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 so hard to pick a favorite. It really is. Usually, you have somewhat of a maybe not a clear cut favorite, but at least somebody that you say, okay, well, this guy more than likely is going to win the championship. But can't do that this year. You know, there's another side to the 2022 season, and that's the aggressiveness. I mean, it used to be called the aggressive bus. Now it's the aggressive train. Every driver seems to not only get elbows up, but be unfazed by putting the chrome horn to a fellow competitor, rubbing fenders, et cetera. 
So Majeski, the two Smiths and Rhodes, I don't think Rhodes is Mr. Aggressive, but I, I, I think Majeski has shown that he has that in his in his wheelhouse. Uh, who would you if you gave an aggressive uh, title to of those four, who would you say would win out over the other three? I would guess uh, and not that he's that he's shown an abundance of doing that, but I would I would guess maybe Chandler Smith might be the guy that I would think would be the one that would that would use the bumper more so than anyone else. But again, not it's not that he does it every week and it's not that he's done it all the time to win the races, but he just uh, he talks the talk and 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 and, and, and backs it up. Yeah. So but again, I, I think anybody's capable and, you know, it's one thing to 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 move somebody, but it's it's another thing to wreck somebody. And that's a whole nother story that that we're not even talking about in this division. But uh there's so much on the line. One race, you know, when they when they first came out with this format years ago, I said, I don't know if I if I go for that, if, you know, because I'm a bit of a traditionalist. You know, we've we've had the point system forever. You know, you run for 23 races in the truck series, 36 in the cup series, whatever the case may be. But but I've come to really enjoy the playoffs. And I just I love the fact that it's all on the line. Your stage points don't matter anymore. It's all who. Who finishes ahead of the other three guys? That's it. You, you know, they've coined the phrase for Ross Chastain, and, and Mike Joy is going to join me later here, and we're going to break down uh, the uh, Ty Gibbs move on teammate. What are you talking about, teammate? Uh, but also they've they've coined the phrase for Chastain, the hail watermelon. Uh, everybody has spent most of this week speculating as to whether we'll see another possibly hail watermelon-type move. I don't think the trucks are capable of doing that. Do you? No, I don't. I don't think the trucks or the Xfinity cars are capable of doing that. You know, uh, Sheldon Creed really tried it at Darlington in, in th turns three and four when he was racing Kyle Larson in the Xfinity race as well and, and end up uh, Noah Gregson ended up winning the race because of Kyle and Sheldon get together. But Sheldon tried to do that, but I don't think uh, the way the, the trucks or the Xfinity cars are built, I don't think they would do that. Uh, and I'm not sure we, we obviously we've debated that a lot over the past week or the past few days on whether you could do it at Phoenix or any other racetrack. Obviously, we think Darlington, you could probably do that with a cup car. Again, don't don't know that you could. Obviously, Sheldon tried it because he was behind at Darlington and it didn't work. Uh, I don't I don't think it would work with the other two series. The uh, the, com the composite body of the Xfinity car and the way that the Tire would dig in the wall, the five lug nuts. There's a lot of stuff working against it. But I will guarantee you that that the manufacturer simulators were busy this week with people trying it at Phoenix. I'll guarantee you. Because I mean, if you're if you're three, four seconds behind, you got nothing to lose. What you know, I I think Jack, we've talked about it all week. You know, I've I've been a sports fan my entire life. I grew up in Detroit. I've loved the Tigers, the Wings. You know, the Pistons, the Lions. I don't know that I've ever seen anything in not only in racing and sports that will rival that. I mean, Willie Mays over the shoulder catch was was amazing and iconic, but we've seen hundreds of over the shoulder catches. Obviously, uh, Odell Beckham Jr.'s one handed grab leaning back was was iconic. We've, we've seen that video so many times, but there's been a lot of guys make one handed catches that were amazing. There's been a lot of guys rob other players of home runs with, with a catch jumping up on the wall. 
But I don't know that I've ever seen anything like that in my life. I really don't. You know, I thought Dale Jr. put it the best. Just how bad do you want it? You know, I, we're looking at these four guys and we know they all want it badly. But for others, you know, it's not just going down to a game seven between four drivers. You've got the rest of the field that would like nothing better than to spoil the party for the care less. champion. Exactly. They could care less, especially the guys that were in the playoffs that aren't in the playoffs anymore. They really want to be a spoiler. Yeah, that's exactly right. It, yeah, it's it's like you got two teams in the, in Game Seven of the World Series, but actually you have thirty two teams. You yeah, know right. <laughs> yeah, we just thought we'd bring them in for entertainment. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, there's a lot uh, that will be determined here at Phoenix for the Truck Series. Uh, I'm going to visit with your compadre, and he's going to analyze it all next week, Vince Welch. But there's also, I think, on the horizon some major changes and shifts during the off season, uh, certainly the, the transformation from Toyota and the decisions that they've made to, uh, ally with David Gilliland racing for 2023. And then of course the story about Kyle Busch switching to Chevrolet. Is there anything else that we should be on alert, not only for the off season, but maybe get a tease of it there at Phoenix this weekend? I think it's, uh, and we had our production call this week for the truck race on Friday night. I think I think we need to really celebrate what what Kyle Busch Motorsports has done um, in, in this series. Uh, not obviously not only for Toyota, but just you know the fact what Kyle personally has done in the series, and then what his teams have done. I think he's won he won two driver championships and maybe five owner championships, maybe even more than that. It's just it's quite amazing what he's done, and, it, and it's going to be the end of the era. Now, obviously, KBM is going to is going to move on. They're going to move on to Chevrolet, and they'll have three trucks more than likely. So KBM's not going away. But what they've done with Toyota has been nothing short of really amazing. And how many drivers that have come through the pipeline there that that have, have gone on to uh, you know onto the Cup Series or Xfinity Series, whatever the case may be. Obviously, Chandler Smith's the latest one that's going to move on to the Xfinity series next year with colleague. Uh, Corey Heim will be, will stick with, with, uh, with Toyota and go over to the David Gillens. So there's going to be a different look. Obviously KBM's going to have a different look. Um, Tricon garage is going to have the, the gray brothers as well as Corey Heim. And they may even run a fourth truck as well. Uh, I, I'm not, I think those are the big stories. I think Thor sport, I would guess would be back intact the way they are. We, we met with, with Ben Rhodes and Ty Majeski yesterday as part of our preparation for the uh, for the championship race, they all came into the Fox Studios and they were on Race Hub, and we had a little time, this 15, 20 minutes, to sit down with them, Michael and Vince and I, and our production team. And uh, so I think Thor Sport is going to stick together. So I think the major, the major, obviously the major news is KBM moving from Toyota over to Chevrolet, and. I'm sure there'll be more news to come with, with new drivers coming in this series. Daniel Dye, who was the runner-up in the Arkham Menard series this year, they've already announced that they will, he will be full-time in the trucks at GMS. Grant Enfinger will be back at GMS. So it'll be, it'll be another great season, and I'm sure we'll have some more surprises in the weeks to come. Bill, I appreciate your visiting with us on the immediate horizon, and this will be the final question with a little humor attached to it. Majeski, the two Smiths, and Rhodes. What's the over-under on any of them equaling or surpassing 
Ben Rhodes' amazing, quite funny and humorous, alcohol-assisted post-championship press conference one year ago. Ben Rhodes said he's going to mix some alcohol, his some liquor in with his with his. So if, if it's Ben Rhodes and and he mixes liquor in with all the beer he drank, then I think I think he's going to surpass it. I don't know about the other guys. Chandler Smith's not old enough, Jack. So we we can eliminate him right away. So, uh, but Ben Rhodes, if they mix if they mix the liquor in, then watch out. Now, I don't know. I'm I'm picking Majeski. Should he win? Majeski's an old short tracker, and you know from your short track days. What do you do once the race is over? You empty the cooler of alcoholic beverages. What did, what did Dick Trickle used to do, Jack? What did Dick Trickle from Wisconsin used to do? <laughs> pop, pop a beer and pop a heater. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Phil, it's always a pleasure. Have fun out there in Phoenix, and we'll be watching. All right, good talking to you, Jack. Coming up, you'll meet this week's Advance Auto Parts Victory Lap guest after this message. Hey, car lovers, at Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. Man, this is for all those guys. Uh, there's a ton of them out there that, that are like me, that have won here, and all these great short tracks around here. We can do it. We just need the opportunities. Today proved it. Yeah, it's a short track, but it's still damn hard to win here, and we did it. They are hometown heroes, drivers who put their passion on the line in front of their friends. Here we go, three wide. Got Sellers up in the marble. Halfway home in this one. Off turn four, he heads for the checkered flag. Side by side, Bob Dorn across the line first. Here comes Riggs. Riggs is back at it on the inside. Buckle up and hold on tight. Time now to focus the spotlight on hometown heroes with this week's Advance Auto Parts Victory Lap. Brought to you by the NASCAR Advance Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series. Driving local racing in local communities forward. Well, my next guest, like most of us, got bitten with the bug at an early age and decided that he wanted to pursue a passion for motorsports. He now is a, well, he covers the national scene for Auto Week. But deep down inside, I know this cat. And he loves the world of short track racing and keeps us abreast of all the comings and goings there. And that's why I'm asking Matt Weaver to take a victory lap today. Uh, as part of our Advanced Auto Parts Victory Lap program. Matt, so good of you to join us. The short track industry pretty much rebounded from COVID-19 in 2022, don't you think? Yeah, you know, there's there's a lot of challenges that I think that we're still kind of dealing with, the repercussions. Um, there's a supply chain shortage for sure. Um the tires are, are probably never going to be what the racers want it to be. I mean, you tell me, uh, drivers have been complaining about tires for much longer than I've been alive. But um, I think considering where we were two years ago, to be in this place we are now, where we have so much momentum as an industry and so much incredible news that's either come out or is about to come out, um, it's going to be a very fun and interesting decade for short track racing, I think. 
Well, and when you look at the at the heritage that's been developed and is now paying off in dividends at the premier level of NASCAR in Cup, in Xfinity, that, that, that direct connection is no longer a dotted line connection between the cats that race on Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, or Sunday nights, and the guys that race in the premier level of NASCAR. I think anybody that shows up at a local racetrack says, I got a chance. I can follow my dream and follow in the footsteps of a, a Briscoe, a Larson, or a Seabell. I think that um, Larson, you mentioned Larson. Larson changed the game for dirt, for pavement in so many ways. And people might hear me say that and be like, well, what has Kyle Larson done for pavement? But I think Kyle wrote the the blueprint for what now pavement's trying to do. And, you know, what happened to Kyle in 2020, super unfortunate, and it's frustrating for a lot of reasons. But when Kyle decided to go on his dirt world tour, he got a late model, running sprint cars, running midgets. We saw the boost that that was for dirt racing. And I think pavement racing also had the conversation, you know, what could we do to try to emulate that too. How can we be more mainstream? I mean, which by the way, Chase Elliott ran the snowball derby in 2020. Cal Bush ran the snowball derby. So it's not a lack of interest or participation from you know mainstream marquee superstar pavement drivers to go do short track. But I, I just think there's been a couple of things that have happened to say, how can we take that further? How can we become closer to the mainstream? And that's where you know, this this conversation is going to lead, you know, efforts by a lot of different people to try to make short track racing a little bit more mainstream 2022 into 2023. Uh, let's narrow the focus just a tiny bit. Uh, when the Streamline Hotel played host to Big Bill France back in the late 40s, and he convinced all those independent promoters to form this thing called NASCAR, the backbone of it was the short tracks, the race tracks that were at fairgrounds, et cetera. And along the way through the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, all the way into the 80s, there was a direct connection. And then there came about, a, a, a and it was very obvious, a disenfranchisement. That was the feeling that the short track competitors and fans felt as NASCAR tried to go, and I'll use the cliche, big time on them. Now, all of a sudden, not only because of advanced auto parts, but because of the drive for diversity and so many other socially uh, uh, aware uh, programs that all of a sudden that connection is no longer a dotted line connection. NASCAR sees, I think, the value of the, the, the weekly racetracks under their banner. That's why they call it NASCAR Roots and the logical progression from there to regional to ARCA and on up the ladder. Can you pinpoint where you think, Matt, NASCAR finally got the wake-up call? Well, I think I'll take it a step further. More than just NASCAR, um, I think the entire industry was changed by streaming becoming a lot more prevalent. I mean, it's been around for six or seven years, but I think the technology kind of caught up to the vision to the point where between Racing America, Flow, uh, Dirt Vision, um, Mav TV Plus, it became way more accessible to find and, and access 
this kind of racing. And now seven years or so into it, we have this, you know, great catalog, a database of every single start that William Byron ever made, every single dirt start that Kyle Larson and Christopher Bell has made over the last several years. Um, We can tell that larger story that begins on dirt tracks and short tracks to Sunday. And so I think from from a NASCAR standpoint, um, being able to tell that more, more robust story is very beneficial. But I think even just from a um, generating interest and, and enthusiasm, you know, I've been covering short track racing for 12 years now on a kind of a mainstream level. And when I first started doing it, I was just tweeting about it. And people were like, this sounds fun. This sounds interesting. I wish I could see it. Now it's 2022 and we can all see it. We can watch the wheel and modified tour race on a Thursday night at Martinsville. We can watch the all American 400 on Sunday. We can watch the world of outlaws world finals. And that's only become really commonplace in the last two or three years. And um, it's not just NASCAR, right? I mean, I think um, sponsorships, partners, advanced auto parts, right? They, They see the value in being associated with customers and people, there is a very clear ROI in now being able to connect with a product that's way more accessible. And part of that ROI in the reverse side is what Advance has done, not only for improving infrastructure for racetracks with, for, with their, you know, Advance My Track program, $50,000 to a Saturday night promoter goes a very long way. But also now with the announcement that uh, in a couple of weeks, they will be hosting the Combine for some of these aspiring youngsters is the ladder in a good place between the, the drive for diversity, the advanced auto parts combine, what Max Siegel and also what Toyota development. And even now Chevrolet and Ford are doing to fill the pipeline with talented individuals at a very early age. It's, it's healthy, but the thing that's interesting to me right now, and I think we're all trying to figure this out together as an industry, um, the new cup car has completely changed driver development, the entire industry, because, you know, the last decade or so, the thought was, is, you know, getting these drivers on dirt, running midgets and sprint cars, that's the way to get you used to what you're going to be tested now in Xfinity and then cup. And now the modern cup car shares more similarities with a, with an IMSA car really than a former NASCAR stock car. And so I had this conversation with Christopher Bell um, earlier this summer, and he thinks that um, he believes that a a, a champ car, a, a silver crown car is the most optimal way to get drivers ready because they, they run on, on dirt and pavement. They're long races. I've had some people say that, you know, Trans Am is a great way to get you ready because it's kind of a, a blend of a, of a super late model with a little bit of the big brakes and the drivability of a, of an IMSA car. And so I know that's a much different answer than probably what you thought I was going to go with, but it's healthy, right? There's, there's a great pipeline and it's very clear how you can go from one level to the other while also building veteran stars that they have to race against. It's kind of like Frank Kimmel, right? Frank Kimmel was the standard bearer of ARCA. And we can talk about all the kids that went through there, but they had to go through a Frank Kimmel too. So the pipeline is strong, but I think the pipeline is going to change and trying to figure out what gets a young driver prepared for a next-gen car. And by the way, the next-gen car is going to continue to evolve and change too. So from a driver development standpoint, I think there's a lot to learn. 
You know, you talk about having to go through those young kids through Frank Kimmel. We had a similar situation for the national title this year. You know, the the oldest advanced auto parts national champion had to fight hammer and tong all season long. Peyton Sellers left the final race at Dominion Raceway thinking he had squeezed out his third championship only to have what NASCAR called a re-audit. I, I, all I had was visions of hanging chads from Florida I was gonna say that. in the elections. Yeah. But in the end, it was a young stud, the young Turk, Lane Riggs, who, you know, took the torch, wrestled it away from Peyton Sellers. You've got to, I think now, in at least in the late model industry, especially in the mid-Atlantic and southern states, there's this battle back and forth between the youngsters and some of the guys like the Bubba Pollards and the Peyton Sellers that say that's all well and good, kid, but you're going to have to you're going to have to rip it out of my hands. It's a great morality play, is it not? It is, and I think um, one thing that I've tried to emphasize in my coverage and the things that I've wanted to achieve on the short track side is that I want short track racing to be interesting and viable for young drivers to make it worth their while to be there. But beyond that, I think that if I can't do my part as a storyteller to establish the Bubba Pollards, the Lee Pulliams, or the Peyton Sellers, or the Stephen Nassies, the veterans who for better or worse, they're not going to NASCAR. Um, I, I think it makes it way more impressive for Elaine Riggs or for a Carson Quapple to win the Cars Tour and the NASCAR championships, respectively, if they're going through Deke McCaskill, if they're going through Peyton, if they're going through the likes of Bubba, right? Um, because otherwise, it's, it's kind of like, listen, I, I love the history of ARCA, but I think one thing that I would change about ARCA is that it's nothing but 15 and 16 year olds. And one, that's not a compelling ticket to me. I, I can't sell to race fans, a bunch of teenagers, but I can sell hot shoe young drivers going toe to toe with the veterans you have heard about, because then it creates that natural rivalry, right? The young lion versus the veteran that ticket sells. And so we've got that going on in late models. We really have it going on in tour type modifieds. Lots of veterans, lots of really good young drivers too, certainly have it on dirt. So I think the next step, and, and NASCAR is trying to get it there. They've really made ARCA stronger this year, but they want more Greg Van Alst, who I feel like is the only real veteran driver in there right now competing for wins. We need more Greg Van Alst. And I think they're trying to, you know, make an, atmos an atmosphere that's more conducive to the older guy as well as the young guy. Listen, it's always a pleasure. We have to do this more often, maybe in the off season for people. They read your auto week coverage, which is really good. But if they really want a double dose of Weaver short track thoughts, where's the best place for them to go, Matt? You know, I would just say um, I'm, I'm big on social media, right? Twitter. I love Twitter because it's a great platform to kind of get everything out there. So if you find my Twitter at some point, you're going to see everywhere that I'm at and everything that I got going on. Uh, that's Matt Weaver, R.A., I'm also Matt Weaver Motorsports on Facebook. So if you find me on those two platforms, you'll figure out where to find all the various stories and all the websites that I work for. A masterful storyteller, whether it's local or national. Matt, I appreciate it. Thanks so much for doing that. Thank you, Jack. It's been great. You've been listening to the Advance Auto Parts Victory Lap, brought to you by the NASCAR Advance Auto Parts Weekly Racing Series, driving local racing in local communities forward.
Hey, car lovers, at Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. Welcome inside the wind tunnel. Jones gets tagged by the 54. Whoa! Ty Gibbs out front. Jones around. Caution comes out. Ross Chastain used the wall all the way around this racetrack to race his way into the championship four. He went from 10th to 5th place. Here's Jackaroo. Joining me inside the wind tunnel, a longtime friend, the undisputed voice of NASCAR on Fox, Mike Joy. Mike, first of all, I am so pleased that you've decided to join me here in the wind tunnel, but let's circle back to Martinsville, Virginia, where both you and I spent many a weekend at the Dutch Inn and at the place that Clay Earls built. Have you ever in your entire career witnessed anything to rival what we saw uh, Ross Chastain do on that last lap over the weekend. Has anyone? I don't think so. You know, uh, the closest finish I can remember to that actually came right at Martinsville, and it was Jeff Bodine and Richie Evans, which up until Sunday was that Speedway's most famous ever foot it, uh, finish, and photos of it hung in Clay Earl's office, you know, as long as uh, as long as he ran the speedway. Uh, Jeff was inside Richie coming off the final corner. They had bumped in turn three, and they both refused to lose and kept their foot in it. Uh, Bodine went spinning toward the inside wall after they got together, and Richie climbed, actually climbed the wall with the right side of his car and came across the start-finish line on two wheels as the winner of the race, uh, because they both refused to lose. So uh, I think that's the closest we've ever come at Martinsville or anywhere else uh, to a finish like this one. Well, what's the old line? I can't believe what I just saw. But now let's shift our attention to what lies ahead this weekend, and that is the championship weekend at Phoenix. And I talked to Phil Parsons a little bit about what lies ahead for the trucks, but let's start in the Xfinity series. Um, I don't need you to handicap the field, but in your opinion, is this Xfinity title Noah Gregson's to lose? Uh, it may be, uh, you know, certainly he has, has the experience to get this done. Uh, he knows where he's going to be next year and it's not back in the Xfinity series. He's uh, being promoted to cup. And so, I think there's probably less pressure on him than there is on the other three drivers. So sure. Uh, you know, why not? It's his to lose. Now uh, at the other end of the scale, Ty Gibbs apparently doesn't know what pressure is. And uh, you know, he's, he's got a career ahead of him. He's going to, you know, whether he will be in the Xfinity series next year remains to be seen. Um since there is a seat open in the Cup Series at Joe Gibbs Racing, and it seems to be a seat that requires a very polarizing driver, and uh, they, they could probably measure him for it right now. But they have said at Joe Gibbs Racing, they're 
desire after having seen what happened with uh, Gibbs drivers like Joey Logano, who was elevated because a seat opened up and they needed to fill it and probably came up too soon. They don't want to repeat that with Ty Gibbs. On the other hand, who are you going to call? So uh, he also may have no pressure uh, going into this final round. Uh, it'll be interesting. You know, during the week after that uh, bump and run on his teammate for the win, uh, Ty's dad. Excuse me. Excuse me. You mean that dump and run? Dump and run. Much better. Let's get let's get call it what it is. Uh, his dad, Coy Gibbs, said that's not the way he wants to see us see Joe Gibbs racing win races. And and I it reminded me of my dad scolding me and you because there was a point to be made. And I, I think that I think what's going to be interesting this weekend is does Ty just slough it off the way he did when he celebrated the victory at Martinsville or when dad takes you behind the barn and gives you a what's for, does that make you a little more cautious and ergo maybe not as competitive as you might've been if it hadn't happened? Well, he's got one job on Saturday as all four of those drivers do win the race and NASCAR has shown by their, um, unwillingness to make a call that on the last lap, it's pretty much boys have at it. Um, I'm not buying the idea of, you know, what, what was it? Dale said when he turned Terry Labonte at Bristol, I, I didn't mean, to I just wanted to rattle, his, wanted cage. To rattle his cage. Right. Thank goodness. Ty didn't say that, but I'm not buying it, you know, because he hit Brandon Jones. Uh, no, he hit, excuse me. He hit that car hard enough to wrinkle the hood on his car. Yeah. So that was not a bump. You know, that, that was, that was just not a, not a bump and run in my eyes. So he's going to have a target on his back uh, at Phoenix and on both sides and on the front of his car. Uh, so all he can do is go out there and, and give it a hundred percent and try to win the race. I had thought, um, before I saw the excessive celebration, I had thought that he might come to victory lane and say, geez, I'm really sorry that happened. I really, I really didn't mean to dump him, but look what happened to Cole Custer for giving a, a teammate a break and his job is to win the race. And he did just that, but you know, it's a team sport. Until the white flag waves, I guess. Then you have no friends. What was the old line? Tony Stewart. I, Tony Stewart. I'd wreck my grandmother to win a championship. Yeah, and grandmothers everywhere were scared. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, the next-gen car certainly the great topic of conversation. You know, all year long, we just alluded to some of the issues that are at, in play and at hand there. This year's playoffs seem as exciting as they have been, seem every round to be overshadowed by controversy and not controversy about the playoffs, but blocking or spinning somebody out in the caution or, you know, issues uh, getting through tech. And do you think that the playoffs have gotten Mike, the, the type of positive attention that NASCAR had hoped, or is it, is it every Monday morning, they just go to the office and go, Oh God, what do we have to deal with now? Because since the, since the round of 16, it seems every Monday we don't talk about the winner. We talk about something, you know, associated with the playoffs. But, Jack, that's every Monday. 
That's every Monday ever since your dad bought Stafford Speedway in the 1960s, okay? There's always an undercurrent of the sport that goes, I'm not happy till you're not happy. And there's always something to, to be complained about, whether it's, you know, the width of the tire, whether it's, you know, the tech guy doesn't like me, whether, you know, the race director is mean. There's always something. And usually what's missing is taking on responsibility. Uh, everybody's got a beef. And everybody, believe me, everybody's got suggestions on how the sport could be better if only they would do this or that. So this is nothing new. This has been going on longer than you and I have been in the sport. Uh, but certainly it's magnified in the playoffs. Maybe we're too close to it. Maybe we need to just sit back, as I've seen a number of people do today, uh, sitting in restaurants for lunch or whatever and just listening to everybody talking about Ross Chastain's move and especially people who don't follow racing, but they see that and they go, am I being punked? Is, is, is this a bad edit? Is, was, was this a poorly conceived movie shot? Was this real? Sure was. Uh, <laughs> enjoy it. Cause it might be a woman only, but enjoy it. All right. So now let's, let's end our conversation where it should be. And that's at the cup level. We're not going to have a defending champion racing, but rather four cats that seem as if they're willing to do whatever it takes. Going into Phoenix, do you think anybody has Big Mo on their side compared to the other three? Um, Christopher Bell. You know, the guy said he's had two wins, two walk-offs, you know, two must-win situations where he won. So, yes, Christopher Bell. Uh, Ross Chastain has the whole the whole court of public opinion on his side for what he's done. And, and, and he's already won in my book by getting track house to the championship round. That's a win for that new and small uh, organization. Uh, you know, that's an absolute win just being there. You know, it's kind of like getting nominated for an Academy award. Uh, you know, you're excited because your name's on the list, whether you win or not. Well, okay. You know, that, uh, that's fine. Uh, I wonder about Chase Elliott because in, in his post-race interview on Sunday, he just didn't seem excited, you know, about the possibility of face uh, of what, what was ahead at Phoenix, you know, yeah, we'll be prepared. We'll be ready. We'll do what we do, you know, and Joey Logano's always got a smile on his face. You know, he's, he's the happiest guy in the sport. Um, you know, so, uh, don't ask me to pick a favorite. Don't ask me to pick a winner, but you know, I'll be glued to the set on Sunday, just as you will. Yeah. I, and, and again, I can't shake the feeling to be quite honest with you, Mike, that for the first time in a, in a dog's age, uh, the person that wins the race, uh, may not be one of the playoff championship four, and that it may be the race within the race, because I look after this year, I've come to expect somebody may come down out of the grandstands and be a relief driver. I don't know what to expect, but Phoenix is the end of a season that has had its ups and its downs overall what would you give the grade to nascar for 2022 i i think for the quality of competition and for the racing that this new car has produced and let's remember there was a lot about this new car that was completely untested in an oval track environment 
Uh, Five-speed sequential gearbox, independent rear suspension, 18-inch wheels with, with rubber band tires without interliners. Um, the whole crumple and crush zones of the car don't get high marks. Um, the air wrenches and the signal single lug nut don't get high marks. But everything else, uh, considering everything that had to come together in a very short period of time, um, I don't think you could tell that it was all brand new, you know, because the car raced so well. Now, it raced very well on mile and a half. Uh, it solved a problem there. It, up until Martinsville uh, Sunday, really did not shine on the short tracks. There's work to be done there. And, uh, you know, NASCAR is looking at that. So I, I would give NASCAR very high marks for the implementation of the new car. Uh, I think one thing that they have learned through this uh, and through the development of the modifications to the car for next year, uh, mainly in the areas of driver safety and increasing that crumple zone in the rear, that their communication needs to be better uh, with the drivers and with the teams who accuse NASCAR of doing nothing when in fact they've been working really hard at the R&D center. They just weren't ready to talk about it and, you know, in absence of communication, you assume since there's no communication, there's no progress. That wasn't the case. So it, it's been a good learning experience. And, and I'm really happy uh, the way that this car has raced and how durable it's been. Mike, I appreciate your visiting with us. I would say enjoy your off time. The countdown has begun. You know, this time next week, Larry Mack will be calling you up and saying it's x number of days to the daytona 500 and on top of that we all get to go to cali one more time at the coliseum looking forward to it and as always i appreciate your uh, you know inserting your opinions and sharing them with uh, my listeners here on wind tunnel uh, it's gonna be fun thanks jack appreciate it i'll wrap up this week's episode after you listen to this Hey, car lovers, at Advance Auto Parts, we have what you need to keep your car running all season long. So if you enjoy getting ahead of the curve when it comes to taking care of your ride, Advance Auto Parts has everything to keep your ride on track to reach the victory lap. Because you can trust the team at Advance Auto Parts to assist you in finding what you need at the right price. Stop by Advance Auto Parts, where you're always number one. This is how we advance. I appreciate your dropping by this week and hope that you enjoyed the comments and the observations from my guests, Matt Weaver of Auto Week, Bill Parsons, and Mike Joy from NASCAR on Fox. I think that they more than adequately set the stage for the Phoenix Championship weekend. And as Mike said, we all will be watching. Come on back next week and you'll hear championship analysis from NASCAR race hubs, Adam Alexander, as well as the voice of the Camping World Truck Series, Vince Welch. Until then, I'm Jack Aroo. Thanks for stopping by Inside the Wind Tunnel. You've been listening to Jack Aroo's Wind Tunnel. Wind Tunnel is brought to you by Advance Auto Parts, the official auto parts retailer of NASCAR. Follow us on our social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. 
And be sure to subscribe to Wind Tunnel's YouTube channel where you'll discover bonus content. I'm Lenny Baticki of Performance Racing Networks at the Track Show saying thank you for joining us today. See you again next week.